This is great. Chilling by the ocean, waves crashing, drink on the side. Death Star flying above me. Hey, those Typhons? <laughs> Summer's out and our blockade is legal. Join Robin Vogt and Sean Michaud right now. Right now. This is Admiral Radis of the Rebel Alliance. Call of the Brick City Blockade. AP5 has an idea. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Brick City Blockade here, leading up to the events of The Rise of Skywalker, which I am looking so forward to. These two gentlemen in front of me, we're all going to sit in a theater on December 18th, 19th, 19th. 19th. <laughs> see, see, I'm looking forward to the 19th so much that I even gave us a day ahead. Um, December 19th, uh, down in Andrew's neck of the woods. Uh, we are so looking forward to it. But leading up to that, folks, like I said before, we are going to be going back in time. We're going to be reviewing all of the Star Wars films up until the rise of Skywalker. And we are so excited to start off this episode in particular with these two gentlemen in front of me with the Phantom Menace episode one. Boy, we were all alive at that time when that thing came out. And Sean, I am going to flip it over to you first. This is your first rewatch for the podcast in particular. You know, you and I really never did a rewatch with the podcast, which Andrew I mean, yeah. mentioned before, I feel. Like, first, like, real, like, consecutive, going through all the films, right. looking I mean, at different aspects. I think the only one that we only did was, was the Empire that we did, where yep. we barely, barely covered it. Yeah, so I'm just curious, Sean, and this is how this podcast, in particular, this episode, is going to move, is that I'm looking for, like, our big three moments from, this, in, like, big three takeaways from re-watching Phantom Menace here. What, what are your big three as somebody who has just come off of watching Phantom Menace and re-experiencing it once again, of course, on the Disney Plus platform that we have now available to us? And it looks so much better now, oh, by so the much way. Better. Like when I was first watching, it was great to uh, just rewatch it again. Just yeah. just start from the beginning uh, in uh, chronological order, not uh, theatrical release. Uh, I, I, I mean, the first thing I noticed is how crisp how crisp the movie is. I mean, that's not, not that's not gonna be not not my takeaway. I'm just saying how yeah, no, it's true. How Disney Plus uh, is doing that for the. Mm-hmm. For the crisps, Christmas of Christmas, uh, the crisps, crisps, crisps. I should say, I just say Christmas now. Yeah, just <laughs> Christmas for the Christmas season. Well, yeah, yeah I get the Santa, uh, but for each, uh, I feel like the Attack of Clones, the Avengers is going to be the same way, even better, and it's going to be also. It's going to be great to see the the old ones. Uh, the the original ones see uh, how how cool does it see even on Disney Plus I think it's a and just a can be a great experience throughout mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the the first takeaway I noticed in the Phantom Menace which I honestly loved is just the uh, the setting the scenery uh, mm-hmm. where everything takes place 
uh, Naboo, uh, uh, what's up, please? Uh, Tatooine again. Uh, I love Tatooine. I mean, it's great. And especially a part of Tatooine, too. Yeah, it's it's part, yeah. especially especially uh, spoilers if you haven't seen Ma- the Mandalorian. Gonna spoil alert, spoiler alert here, right here. So, <laughs> if, uh, which I love that they went back to Tatooine in that episode. Yeah, mm. I mean, I, that was my <laughs> one of my favorite parts in the episode when they go back to Tatooine, and it was great. It was like, when I was watching Venom, it was like, hey. I just watched The Mandalorian. It was great to see that uh, Tatooine show up again. I mean, just the whole, like, the settings. And uh, my other takeaway is, of course, one of my one all-time favorite villains in Star Wars is Darth Maul. Uh, Even though he didn't get much screen time, uh, he was very uh, important uh, significance to this movie, I think. Especially... (laughs) Especially serving under Palpatine's uh, a wing, yeah, and and especially uh, after uh, even though I haven't watched a lot, uh, especially seeing him in, uh, I haven't watched the Phantom Men's before uh, Solo. Okay, so it's been, okay, it's been that long. It's been that long, so it's great. It's great to see. It's like he survives. Yeah, yeah, a, you're right. It solidifies yeah. that. I mean, it's great to see Dalton Maul how he, uh, uh, how he uh, grew, uh, grown as a character from Rebel, from uh, Clone right. Wars to Rebel to a uh, Solo. I mean, he's a villain that's like very underrated that not many people talk about in the prequels. Yeah, I mean, it's all. And uh, what's his name? The actor, he plays great. Oh, Ray Park. Ray Park is amazing. Thank you. And my third takeaway is uh, just how cheesy the movie is. <laughs> it's true. I mean, it's very true. I, I, I like it, but it's it's cheesy at the same time. Right. I mean, we have so many child's moments. Like, there's one specific scene when Anakin goes into his uh, future. Uh, ship and he's trying to destroy the Jordicas and he just flies off without even knowing how to do it. It's like yeah, yeah. He, of course he knows how to drive uh do drive uh do podcasting. I mean podcast pod racing. Pod racer, pod racer, yeah. Pod racer. <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't kill himself there. This is just the end. I and know. Yet, yet everyone know. has to chew with Ray being a pilot. I know, right? It's a good point. Yeah. Huh. I yeah, don't get and, it, Andrew. Anakin's not a good uh, driver, is he? I mean, he's nine years. Well, is he nine or ten? Ooh, that he's, was a weird movie. He's nine, turning ten, right? Yeah. Or the actor was. Well, where's yeah. the cut up? What's the cutoff age for kids being brought to the temple? Was it 10? I think it might have been 10, so that's why I think they say Yeah. If he's 10 with Attack of the Clones, because it's, it's a 10-year gap, it would make him 20 there. So, 
yeah. least with that, it's not as creepy with Pat Navy being interested in him. Just saying. That's true. That's it's, still, <laughs> it's still weird it, it, that she likes a 10 year old boy and yeah. she's like 16. She's, I think she was 14. <sighs> was she, though? I thought she was like 16 or 17. Yeah. Maybe the act, maybe Natalie Portman was, but I think she was playing a either 13, 14. It's still she, creepy. She was pretty mature for her, for her age. I mean, it's of course, she's still creepy. She wants a 10 year old boy. <laughs> it is creepy. Oh, my goodness gracious. Andrew, rewatching Phantom Menace via Disney Plus. What did you take away from it, my friend? Three takeaways. Because Sean had some interesting ones, too. Well, before I get into my takeaways, just how crisp um, it looks on Disney Plus is fantastic. And this was the for the new 4K or Blu-ray release. So, um, And it was for the um, 3D release. So yeah, George Lucas right. cleaned it up for that. Yep. Um, and then I think Disney might have cleaned it up a little bit more before Disney Seems Plus, like but it. still, um, the effects they hold up so well. Yeah, they do. I, none of the effects were jarring; they didn't take me out of it. Um, but going into my three takeaways, um, for me, number one for music. Like, yeah, you hear it a little in the beginning when Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan are fighting off the battle droids, but you never fully get the classic Force theme until Qui-Gon meets Anakin and he starts talking about the Force. Right, right. And that's when you start hearing the classic Force theme, when he starts talking about the prophecy of the Chosen One, everything like that. And... Just besides reading Master and Apprentice, you get a better feel of Qui-Gon's character, of why mm-hmm. he does defy the council and right. everything like that, and why he's familiar with the prophecies and stuff like that. Right. Um, my second takeaway is all the little things I missed with Palpatine, specifically yeah. like because sometimes when they're on Coruscant, the camera will linger on Palpatine a little bit, and you'll see a small, like, smirk. Yeah, you do, especially, you do. Especially when the queen decides to go back to Naboo, you, right before the pan or whatever it's called, you see a little smirk, like, my yeah. plan's working. Yeah, plan's working. And then the other thing, it's a small detail. And I just noticed this today, rewatching it during the pod race when Qui Gon's watching the screen when Saboba and Anakin's pods uh-huh. are together. Uh-huh. He closes his eyes. He's using the Force to break them apart. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've never noticed that until rewatching it. Yeah. And that's. I would have liked it if like Anakin used the Force or something like that, but. Seeing Qui-Gon use the Force to help Anakin win and everything like that is just really cool. And I've never noticed that in mm. all my watch-throughs of the Phantom Menace. This one, because I'm 
trying to pay attention to more details for the podcast versions yeah. of this. And it's just a really cool detail that I've never noticed. Mm. And, and it kind of gives a little bit more of an idea of how the Force works. Yeah. Because I asked you before, it's like, so does the person have to see where they are to use the Force right. on said right. person? Right, right. So that would kind of confirm it, that they have to at least see what's going on to use right. the Force in that specific area. So yeah. that, that's, that was a really cool detail that I noticed. Yeah, that's super interesting. I think... You know, in particular, when it comes to the Phantom Menace, I think I agree with you, Andrew. I think it it definitely holds up since 1999. You know, I think Lucasfilm and now in cooperation with Disney, um, ever since the purchase in 2012, uh, have have really taken the ideas of the prequels and everything that George had left behind and said, what can we do to to make it even better? What can we do quality wise? Can we go back? Can we, you know, can we make edits? Can we? Uh, use the technology that Disney has acquired and has been able to gain through their hires to make this even better. And, you know, you can say this from the Blu-ray perspective and now onto um, the Disney Plus platform in particular, is that they really focused on, you know, what are we doing in the new films that, and what qualities can we bring from the sequel trilogy back into the prequels in particular and into the original trilogy um, in terms of technology to make this thing look like the rest of the films that, that we are producing at this time. And the, what, the my big three takeaways, I think, from Phantom Menace um, in particular are the subtleties. Um, there were moments where I feel like you have these characters, you have Obi-Wan, you have, you know, Anakin, you have Qui-Gon, you have Yoda, you have the Jedi Council, you have everything happening on Naboo, and you kind of scale it back. And I think the one moment for me that really took me back to when I was a kid watching Phantom Menace for the first time was when, and of all the moments, I never thought I'd think about this one in particular, but that entire sequence where we're introduced to Jar Jar Binks and we go to Gungan City, and they put it on the breathing apparatus, and they see the Gungan City for the first time. It's really, you get a core idea of how expansive the Star Wars universe is in those moments. Phantom Menace really focuses on the subtleties to make you feel the distance and the space and who mm. resides in this galaxy far, far away. And I'm going to be 100% honest with you. It's something that's missing from the pre- from, from, from the sequels in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, that I think with uh, J.J. coming back for Rise of Skywalker, I think naturally he wants to wrap everything into it. I think we're finally going to see that. And that's something that I think George did masterfully in The Phantom Menace, was giving us a spectrum of how wide this galaxy is is so i love that and then again into the pod racing i forgot how much i love the pod racing scene and everybody i i can't even tell you to this day they think that it's so corny they don't know why it's in there i'm going to be honest with you this is just me i love the last jedi don't get me wrong there are some things i really like in it but i will take the pod racing scene over Canto Bite times 1,000. Oh, it's times 1,000. One of the best Star Wars sequences out there. Yeah. Just and there's the so sound, many people. Just Something you don't see racers, every day. Um, just the sound of the pod racers themselves. Yes. 
that sequence, there's no music at all, just oh. sound effects. And that's a lot. It's just sound effects. And the, and the one thing that I love to see, and I think Dave Filoni has really worked hard to take, pass on that legacy from George is the idea of a Western, the idea of racing. What is, what is the one thing, Dave, the whole reason the resistance was created and why those ships were built the way they were and designed the way they were was because Dave remembers his dad taking him to the, to the car rallies and to the way that people had their cars painted. That's exactly what the pod racing scene has shown. So people who enjoy, enjoy, enjoy resistance and say that they don't like the prequels, please go back and watch the pod racing scene. That is straight out of what Dave Filoni has done with resistance. He went back, he looked at it, he saw what George did with that, and he said, I want to bring that because it, it really inherits everything that I believe in and everything that I grew up with. So I think that that's the one part of Phantom Menace, again, stands out so much to me. And again, I'm, t I'm, I'm going to bring it up. The scene um, when Qui-Gon dies, when, when Maul finally takes him out, and just the transition of Obi-Wan being the Padawan to finally becoming a Jedi Knight in that moment. And I think the one fascinating thing, and I think this is just through Qui-Gon's teachings necessarily, is that, and I think Luke realizes this at the end of Last Jedi, is that you know, if you can have balance, you know, anger leads to hate, hate leads to, that whole conversation amongst the Jedi order is so false in so many ways, because how does Obi-Wan act when his master falls? Think about those first few moves that Obi-Wan puts into Darth Maul. He's, he's straight he's into hate. He's acting out of anger. He is touching on the dark side in so many different ways oh, in that moment. And that's what Qui-Gon taught was that you can have both. And you can be successful in both realms of the force. But as long as you balance it, that's what makes you successful. That's why Obi-Wan lived as long as he did. Yep. was because he was able to find a balance. He taught that to Luke and he was able to pass that on. That's what so, was so important in that. I agree with that. So a detail I do want to add, um, which is actually confirmed from the Master and Apprentice book. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people had issue that Qui-Gon's like, um, they didn't like change like his attire from for his funeral and stuff like that. But in the book, they actually it ends right at right before Qui Gon's funeral. Obi Wan had that had his attire not changed for a specific reason to show that the Sith have returned yes. and that a Jedi was killed by a Sith. They, why would have why would have Mace Windu and Yoda had brought that up? Exactly, and <laughs> he and he wanted to show like the brutality of how he was yes. killed. Yes, it was a statement. And, it was a yes. statement to the Jedi Order that because of your blindness, because because of your and I have to admit, you got to blame a little bit of Mace Windu and a little bit of Yoda on this because a Yoda was Mace Windu. A lot well, of I'm, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it. My distaste for Miss Windu as we go. <laughs> I know you <laughs> do have it. Um, I mean, just that line from Yoda. You know, you can really tell, and you see it in the Clone Wars when Palpatine. You know, specifically when we're following the Yoda arc in particular. Really, how blinded by Palpatine Yoda was. Well, you know, in the you know, darkness has a unique way of getting to us. It's like, 
What kind of statement is that? It either exists or it doesn't. You're being blinded by a Sith Lord. And if you if you have no ability to recognize that, then I'm sorry, Yoda. <laughs> like, come on, dude. You, you, one that's of your, what, why... <sighs> that's why... Actually, I'll save my comments for that for Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, because uh, it does kind of yeah. tie back in. Um, now, the soundtrack... Oh yeah, soundtrack. Phantom Menace is easily one of my. If I had to choose like three for mm-hmm. my favorite soundtracks, it would be Re- Return of the Jedi, yeah. Phantom Menace, and Revenge of the Sith. Those are my top three yeah. that I would go back to yeah. and listen to over and over again. Yeah. And the one theme that is severely underrated is Anakin's theme. I forgot how so. good Anakin's theme was, and I wish that. It, continued through the trilogy and then it because at the end of that theme it does go into vader's theme as it does so it would be cool if in like revenge of the sith it transitioned fully into darth vader's theme it's almost like and that's such a good point andrew and i'm glad to bring that up because it'll be fascinating when i go back and i rewatch the end of return of the jedi when luke redeems vader and vader speaks to him how cool would it have been in that moment if they used that theme when Vader was speaking? It would have been int- it would have been interesting. Right? Right? It would have been like mm-hmm. if Luke's theme had transitioned into that. Like it would have been like, yeah. "Whoa, there's the connection." All right, I see it now. I see it. You know, this, this I, you should use on Rise Skywalker. Well, you know, there's going to be a lot of connection could. of themes. There's yeah. going to be there's going to be, you're going to see Leia's theme transition to Hans quickly. And you're going to see a transition to Ray's. Like there's going to be a lot of that. A lot of that. I, I did mean, listen. Duel of Fates was always, made me chill. That's easily the best theme that John Williams created. John Williams. I talk about him all the time. He is easily the best composer that has ever lived. Like, yeah, you can have your Hans Zimmer's or, um, uh, Howard Shore, right. um, all these great composers, nobody comes close to John Williams. Yeah, I could okay. not see any. <laughs> I could not see anybody else coming doing Star Wars besides John Williams. Each theme from Star Wars or any movie that he's composed you can pull it out and be like, that's from this thing. And that's from this thing. That's why I love John Williams music. It's you could easily point. You could easily point that it's his music. Exactly. If I listen to like, yeah. if I listen to a, a different soundtrack, like Howard Shore or. Hans is like, which, or Hans is like, which, which is who I can't, I can't figure out. Exactly. Sometimes I can. Yeah. It's a good point. Whereas John Williams, you can like, Oh, that's Harry Potter. That's Jaws, Jurassic Park. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot. <laughs> yeah. And and Sean, I, I just want to quickly shout out Sean on this one because years ago, I think it was just before we were heading, it was out of Force Awakens heading into Last Jedi in particular. Sean had written an article for BrickCityBlockade.com oh, right. yes, yes. about the man with the baton, This, uh, you know, it, kind of his insight on John Williams. And you made a really good point in your article, Sean. And I don't even remember that article. Yeah, I know. And I, and I want people to go before we head into Rise of Skywalker, head on over to the website and check out some of those articles because 
there's some really interesting points in there. And one that you brought up, Sean, that I think is so important is in your second paragraph in particular, you said that if you were to walk into a room with these composers, and I think you said Hans Zimmer in particular, you had said John, and you'd mentioned one other. Uh, I'm not necessarily sure who it was, but it was another like um, comic book movie. Maybe Brian, it was Brian Tyler. Was it was Brian, Brian Tyler? Tyler um, Danny Elfman. It was like somebody who had Maybe. done like the Batman movies. Um, you know, somebody who has been involved in musical scores for a long time. And you had you had said that if they were to compose the same piece of music with the same notes and everything, everything's the same, same orchestra, whatever else you would still be able to pick the John Williams sound. No matter if it was different, same notes and everything, there's something unique about when John steps into a room, everybody escalates their ability to perform. And and that's, you said that in particular, and I want people to go read that because it is so important to remember that this is the man. And I will say this, Michael Giacchino got very close with Rogue One. He got very close close he was almost an homage at times to john williams so definitely go and check that out for me i didn't really see that as much the only one that i could see replacing okay two people that i could see replacing Mm -hmm. john williams is kevin kiner who did clone wars definitely oh yeah and who was the composer for solo because he did really good oh goodness uh, oh goodness John Powell. John Powell. Yes, he did How to he, Train Your Dragon. He, he did really projects. good. He, he did, did the, really good. He did the shooter movie too. Yes. Yes. I don't know he why did. I know that one so much. That's a good soundtrack, by the way. Yeah, I agree. But, Kevin Kiner is probably the closest. Mm-hmm. the closest. He has that John Williams like feel to his music, which he should. Every composer that comes into Star Wars should at least try to match John Williams, which. Not a lot of people can do, but right, right. it's like I've watched videos of them performing like the Star Wars theme live and stuff like that. It's different when John Williams is composing it compared to someone else because they either play it too fast or too slow. They yeah. never get the right tempo or I mean, speed I, for it. I feel like that's like if every composer. I feel like John Williams couldn't do Lord of the Rings. No. It wouldn't feel right for John Williams to Lord of the Rings or uh, the Lord Avengers. Or, uh, well, I think he could have pulled off Avengers. I mean, he could have. I think he could have pulled off something for that, but Alan Silvestri was the better choice for the Avengers and Back <laughs> to the true. Future. It's a good point. It's a very, very good um, point. So in terms of Phantom Menace, kind of as we're kind of looking at the 30-minute breaking point here for uh, this review, you know, 30 minutes I think will be ideal heading forward. For most of our listeners out there, people are going to be watching on Facebook because there's going to be multiple series. These are people that are going to be wanting to watch. Okay, now I'm going to go check out the Attack of the Clones. We'll probably probably have the the, uh, Last Jedi and uh, Force Awakens a little bit longer just because yeah, the greatest closer. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Absolutely. So I think the one thing um, in terms of Phantom Menace that I'll propose to you guys, uh, just to, as a wrap up here, um, I'm, I'm going to call this little se- this little session here, make it or break it when it comes to Phantom Menace. What things do you think 
make it for Phantom Menace that you would like to see J.J. Abrams in The Rise of Skywalker take in? What what aspect of The Phantom Menace do you want to see? And break it. What thing? What aspect of The Phantom Menace don't you want to see J.J. Abrams? Or do, do you not want to see him touch when it comes to his, uh, his job on The Rise of Skywalker? Because it will have to include something from that film in particular if he wants to wrap this entire uh, sequel trilogy up. Andrew, I'll start with you on this one. For me, it would be not specifically Qui-Gon itself, but more discussion on the Force. Um, okay. We had very little, and we barely any in the last, uh, not the last Jedi, the Force Awakens. Yeah. We got a little in The Last Jedi, Luke's understanding of it now. Um, but we haven't had any real talk on the Force. Yeah. We've only had it with Qui-Gon, a little bit with Obi-Wan and yeah. other than that nothing besides Clone Wars but we're not going into Clone Wars right. um, I would like that <laughs> the breaking thing <sighs> no don't get me wrong I like Ahmed best as a person human being <laughs> I knew you were going to say this one. No slapstick characters. Yeah, yes, I agree. You could, I agree you could you. say C-3PO yeah. and R2-D2 are slapstick, but they're really they've not. Been, they've, they've been, been like that. They've been like that since 1977. Yeah. So, those are my two make-or-break things. I want more discussion on the Force. We've yeah. never had it other than the TV series stuff. And we really, for those who just like the movies, they're the ones that are going to benefit more, learning more about the Force. Yeah. That's my two make a breaks. What do you think, Sean? Make it and break it for Phantom Menace into um, The Rise of Skywalker. I'll mix it up. I'll do break it first. And, okay. And I feel like they need to, uh, I think JJ should not touch uh, more on just um the 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 silliness of like the, the phantom menace of how like like very it's like the slapstick yeah yes <laughs> like less like more less slapsticks comedy more like yeah we, we they tried that to do then in the last last year i didn't really with the, with the ray reaching out and luke with the lead. well that that was kind I mean, of more it, was fu- it was it was it felt out of place yeah. it when you watched it, it the first it, time. It was it, funny. After multiple views, it was, out it was of funny, place. but it was out of place the first time I felt. I mean well, a lot of I lot I'd of... say the most out of place spot for comedy was Cantabite where BBH just shooting the shit out of them and Okay. I agree with you on that one too. Yeah. That's why I don't mind the Luke slapping her hand and stuff like that, because that's a test. Gotcha. Gotcha. I mean I think I think I think he needs to do more. Uh, of course, uh, it's because JJ is uh, more of of uh, the Force Awakens type. A little bit less comedy than it was. was. Force Awakens. Yeah. Yes. Interesting. And, and for me to make it, I think I think JJ needs to show more, like just stop staying. Uh, that's that's kind of a um, break it, but I was gonna say show more of a 
more plain. That's more. Uh, that's a make it. Yeah, that's area. a make it. Yeah. Instead of like the same type of planets that we've already seen and stuff like that. Like yeah, we have a desert planet, but we need. I mean, break is break is more of a, like stop staying in one place, kind of like the last year I did. Oh, one yes. like. I'll, yeah. I like how the Phantom Menace was uh, cleanly uh, like moving around places easily. I think it just flowed natu- naturally for the. As slow as people say, it's a Phantom Menace is a faster movie than I remember it being. Much faster. It was really quick when I watched it. I was like, "Wait, this movie's like, over already." Yeah, I was about to say we're getting into Duel of the Fates now. It's like I thought I just started this like in a half hour ago. It's like, true. It's you true. have like twenty minutes left when that minute mark. I Fair feel enough. like I feel like the sequel trilogy has really focused on, and I don't know if this is them trying to get you know Academy Awards or just the award season stuff. They are Star Wars already has enough awards. They don't. Need I know. That they have the money. The dialogue. The wars is money. That's what it is. They don't care. The sequel trilogy has focused so much on dialogue, I feel like, more than the important conversations. Like, Phantom Menace has dialogue, but every time somebody opens their mouth, it's it's either a word of wisdom or or it's something that's really going to affect. It has a storyline to every word that's spoken. Exactly. And I I, I guess I'm going to say it in particular. The only time I felt that in particular with The Last Jedi was really when Luke spoke. Like there was some, mm-hmm. there was some lesson being taught, or it was going to affect everybody later on at some point. Some of the stuff that was happening with the resistance, I was like, okay, here and there, all right. It just wasn't pulling me in on that level. It was great. I, I, I still think it's a Star Wars movie that's enjoyable, but I, I it, it's fascinating, and I think that's where my break it comes in for for JJ going into the Rise of Skywalker is if you're going to focus on dialogue, do it like Phantom Menace. Everything leads... Yeah, everything leads... What Watto says affects Qui-Gon. What Qui-Gon says affects Anakin's mother's decision. What Anakin's mother's... Domino effect. It's domino effect. The prequels do such a good job with domino effect... That's what I'll call it. That's what we'll call it here at the podcast. Domino effect dialogue. And that's what we need more of. Revenge of Sith did it perfectly, though. Oh, Revenge of Sith was masterful at it. Yeah, we'll get. (laughs) We'll get into that. I think prequel wise, I think Revenge of the Sith will be a little bit longer. Yes, there's a lot I do want to talk about with Revenge of the Sith. I think we'll have like five or six top points, like (laughs) that one. Attack of the Clones can be maybe four, because there is some good stuff in Attack of the Clones. Mine's all political stuff. Of course, yeah. I think I think mine's gonna be. That, that's the thing. I do like a lot of the political stuff in yeah. uh, Italian clones, so it'll be yeah. interesting in there. So, so finally, my my make it for JJ here um, is really because my last one. I guess that's kind of like a break it, make it kind of like he's got to do more of it. But I think my make it in particular for, um, and I guess it's kind of a make it, break it too that the Phantom Menace did. Um, if you're going to do a duel, do it up big. And I think the, the, the previews for the rise of Skywalker is showing maybe multiple duels here that are going to be big in these moments. I think there'll be two quick duels. Yeah. And the duel we see on that 
reigning planet will be the full like duel. Yes. And I think that's going to be the quick duel. No, I think the quick duel is going to be on the Star Destroyer where they destroy the helmet. Then there might be one where they meet up again, and then that'll be the last one. Yeah, yeah. And I think that will be like either Duel of the Fates style of um, the duel or Anakin versus Obi-Wan. Yeah, I think we'll get into that when we get more into Revenge of the Sith, because that's where I'm heading here is into like the Dooku versus Obi-Wan and Anakin scene, and then finally you get Anakin versus Obi-Wan. Yeah. Like, There's always that borderline, okay, this is the small one that has to happen, and something dramatic has to happen, so that when we get to that moment, it's like, oh, mm-hmm. this, is, this is the duel of all duels right here. This is where it's all come down to. So uh, we'll move into that more when we have that discussion. Because that duel is where I can see Duel of the Fates, but other heroes showing up and stuff yeah. like that. So I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. Oh, <laughs> another thing I noticed this time is mm-hmm. the Maz Kanata statue. Yeah, the statue there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yes. That's fascinating, isn't it? Also, mm-hmm. another theory I had, do you think the dreams of Anakin becoming a Jedi were dreams from Palpatine and he was manipulating his dreams. Uh, we never get an in-depth look at whether those are it's dreams of him as a Jedi coming to save his people, or him as as Vader. Or yeah, because at that point he wouldn't know the difference. So. No, he wouldn't, and he acts on anger very quickly. Also, what's what's Quinlan Quinlan Voss doing on Tatooine? A very good question. So many questions. Quinlan Voss on Tatooine. Hmm. He knows something. Yeah. He knows something that he doesn't want to talk about. But uh, no, I mean, I think, and for anybody out there who wants to follow along with us, you know, make sure you go back, rewatch the Phantom Menace, rewatch the prequels. That's our first mm-hmm. three that we're going to go through. So make sure to yeah. enjoy that. Subscribe to Disney Plus if you haven't yet already, and enjoy the prequels while we have them again. It's, a, it's been amazing to actually just go on there. And, and I have to admit, one of the best moments for me, <coughs> excuse me, was actually to go on to Disney Plus and actually see all these Star Wars films right before me that I can actually watch. And yeah. to, be, to be honest with you, I got a little emotional when I saw it because I never thought that I would see the day, you know, as a kid growing up with, with not a lot in, in, in my family. And having to rely on VHSs or going to Blockbuster to go rent it out in particular, and that oh, was yeah. the big night for us, was to go do that. That I, as an adult, someday would be sitting down and have all these films at, at, at my, and I don't, don't want to say my disposal, but at the ready so that I could go and watch them when I want. And I kind of had like an emotional moment. I was like, look at how far, look at how far this world has become that we actually have. Yeah, I know. Just a tap of the finger. Andrew's right getting a big. Fucking hug for me when I get down there because. Well, I'm sorry to hug. say your subscription. <laughs> 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 uh, I, I wouldn't oh. do that for you. But it, it really was, and I and I and I really encourage everybody who's who goes on to Disney Plus re- and really think about that how far we've yeah. come, um, and, and you know as much as people want to rank on Disney, look 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 at what they've, they've done they've for the done fandom. They've done a lot. And as someone who has the physical steelbooks of the Star Wars films, it is nice to just be able to go on an app and 
just click, oh, I want to watch Return of the Jedi, just watch it right there, instead of having to take it out of the case and put it in the Blu-ray player. Like, yeah, I'll still put in my regular Blu-rays and stuff, especially for Last Jedi, but it's just more convenient that way. And they look a lot better now than even in the original Blu-ray release of them, and so on. Yeah, so... We've hit that time of anything here at the Brick City Blockade, folks. That's right. It's a little thing we like to call plug time. Plug That's time. Plug time. Mr. Sean Michaud, I will start off with you. Where can the good people find you across social media? You guys can follow me on Twitter at Sean Michaud1. Follow my Instagram at itszonezeef. Follow my music at Bandcamp. 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 And SoundCloud. And find me and follow me on Facebook. Andrew Garish, where can the people find you? Well, you can find me on Twitter at agarish1, Instagram, andrew62592, YouTube, Commander Nerd. I should have a video up on Friday. Um, not a really a long video, because the longer video is going to be next Friday when I do... Well, it'll be recorded Thursday when they're all down here, but I'll upload the video on Friday. <laughs> right, um, right. For the release of Rise of Skywalker and stuff like that is the full day vlog of them coming down, hanging out with us and the lightsaber duels. We're going to um, recreate. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, it might just be a review on one of my ultra sabers or something like that. So nice. Looking forward to it. And I will say this guys, go ahead and follow these guys. Don't worry about following me. Don't worry about following me. I'm not giving you any extensive plug time just to check out www.brickcityblockade.com. Follow us on Twitter and like our page on Facebook. You know where to find me. So for Sean Michaud and Andrew Garish, host of Words of the Wills, this is Robin Vogt signing off here on the Brick City Blockade. And as we always say, hey. Yeah, the force be with you. The force be with you. Sayonara. That's not how we say it. That's not how we say it. Sayonara. That's how we say it. Okay. Ah, fuck it. Whatever.